Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking about voting rights here in the state of Ohio and specifically an important uh, state Supreme Court case that is pending and we are awaiting decision really any day now uh, on a voting rights case out of Medina, the city of Medina. Many of you that are listeners to this program remember that a group of citizens circulated a referendum petition and actually it was a year ago this week that petitions uh, for the concerned citizens of Medina City uh, delivered their petitions for a referendum on what was called a SOGI legislation style uh, ordinance that city council in the Medina City uh, passed over the objections of many in the community. And so the folks went out and they collected nearly 1,200 signatures in about 14 days uh, to put the measure on the ballot. They had to turn them in first to the city finance director or auditor, city auditor, that's how the ordinance reads. And then uh, he held them for 10 days. His name was Keith Durham. Uh, he serves as the city finance director. He held them, reviewed them. Uh, according to his report, he found them to be facially valid, his termination, his term on the petitions that were submitted. And actually, I was there that day when the petitions were submitted. I helped the group. Uh, those of us in the Ohio Christian Alliance helped volunteer to circulate the petition door-to-door, talking to the good citizens of Medina City. Uh, so we spent a year ago uh, a couple of weeks out there in the hot sun and long hours uh, meeting with people, discussing this issue, and the folks understood it. Uh, we said uh, we're, we don't have any objections to the non-discrimination nature of the ordinance, however, there is concern about the public accommodation portion that would allow members of the opposite sex to use the bathroom, showers, locker rooms, and uh, athletic programs of their choice at local schools, uh, in the community and local schools. And that's where people were concerned, and they said, well, we agree with you. We think that that ought to be overturned. So nearly 1,200 signatures were gathered, turned in a year ago this week, And then uh, he held them for 10 days and then sent them to the Board of Elections, and that's where things really got interesting. The Board of Elections is uh, comprised of both Democrats and Republicans. just so happens that Ms. Pam Miller, who is a Democrat, the chairwoman of the Summit, or excuse me, of the Medina County Board of Elections, happened to also be an advocate for this specific ordinance. In fact, she brought the measure to City Hall for passage. Uh, That, according to one of the councilmen in at uh, City Hall in Medina, uh, he stated on tape that it was she who brought it to him for passage. Well, they all rejoiced that it passed, but they weren't too happy when we showed up with our referendum petitions. Well, that said, they reviewed the petitions, and then the report came back in August, and they said that you're 44 signatures short. Howbeit, we looked at the report, and 59 of the signatures were invalidated for what the board termed non-matching signature. Now, that was very interesting. What's that? Well, these are registered voters. They're on the rolls in Medina County. And so um, we looked and we sought these folks out and we secured, now again, get the numbers here, 44 signatures short, 
59 signatures invalidated for what the board termed non-matching signature, and we secured 47 sworn affidavits with photo ID from people who had their signatures wrongfully invalidated. Well, that's unheard of. That really isn't that. That benchmark's not been met uh, by any other group that I'm aware of. So that just lets you know how important this issue was to the people in the city of Medina. Well, then comes in the county prosecutor's office. They're the representing attorney for the Board of Elections, and they advise the board, according to reports, not to hear our appeal or plea or review of our petitions. Well, at that point, the attorney said, well, we have no recourse here. We'll, we'll, we'll file a couple appeals, which we did. And with us on the phone is one of our attorneys who've been working on this case, in fact, has been doing outstanding work. Attorney Josh Brown from Columbus, Ohio. He actually is running for uh, Court of Common Pleas of Franklin County. He'll be on the ballot in November, but uh, we'll give you more information about that. Uh, so you can look up uh, Josh's campaign and follow that. But the, the fact is here is that we, this is an important voting rights case. You had duly elected or duly uh, registered uh, residents who had their petitions wrongfully invalidated by the Board of Elections. And now, whether a conflict of interest exists, well, that was not determined. But we can say that the one of the people that was uh, involved in reviewing or overseeing or signing off on was somebody who very much wanted this ordinance, Ms. Pam Miller. So the Secretary of State's office did somewhat of a review and an audit, uh, of which the findings all were not disclosed. We don't know because we said we believe that there is conflict of interest that exists. We believe that we should have a hearing. And then, of course, the only recourse at that point was to file a lawsuit, which we did. The citizens, concerned citizens of Medina City, filed a lawsuit back on February 3rd of this year. And that's where we're going to come in with this report from uh, the State House News Bureau. Let's go to that. A group of citizens is taking a complaint against the Medina County Board of Elections to the Ohio Supreme Court. Local officials invalidated signatures for a ballot initiative, but the group says those signatures were legitimate. Medina's city council passed a pro-LGBTQ ordinance that adds sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes. A group that wanted voters to overturn it says about 50 signatures were wrongfully invalidated for not matching signatures on record. Chris Long with the Ohio Christian Alliance says they have proof those signees wanted their name on the petition, and they're asking the Ohio Supreme Court to validate those signatures. It is clear that the rights of these voters are being denied. The 47 voters whose signatures were wrongfully invalidated, as well as the other signers of the referendum petition, were denied their right to the ballot. The Medina County Board of Elections did not respond to a request for comment. Andy Chow at the Ohio Public Radio State House News Bureau. And again, that was back on February of this year. And since that time, the lawsuit was filed. And uh, there has been a long docket that's been added since then. Uh, With me on the phone is our attorney representing Marie J. Noth, one of the signatures of the uh, petition, referendum petition. Uh, Marie Noth is uh, a representative, and with me on the phone is Attorney Josh Brown. Uh, Attorney, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Well, Josh, we want to say that we really appreciate the work that you've done on this case. In fact, I've had a number of uh, attorneys that I respect, people in law and review, look at the case that you've made 
in defense of the citizens of Medina who signed the referendum petition and whose uh, uh, signatures are being invalidated wrongfully, they believe that you've put together a very solid case. Your thoughts? Yeah, what it really came down to is that there is a section of Ohio Code that provides the procedures for how you would do a referendum of a municipal city ordinance. And the Ohio Constitution actually provides uh, that the city has to do that unless they um, explicitly don't allow it in their charter. So Medina incorporates the uh, state statutory framework and that framework does not provide a means by which people can challenge the decisions of the city or the board of elections. So we went through the case law, and uh, the case law, I think, is pretty strong that you, if you do offer a referendum process in a state, that you also have to offer all the constitutional rights that would attach to it, uh, First Amendment rights and equal protection rights and due process rights. So due process requires that if there is a interest at stake and it's taken away from you, that they have to give you an opportunity to have a hearing and they have to properly notice that hearing. And uh, at that hearing, you have to have a right to speak and present evidence as to why you should not be deprived of that interest. So the interest here is the interest in having their signatures counted, and we've argued that that's a um, constitutional right under the referendum process, and it can't be deprived without an opportunity for a hearing. We've given them uh, as good evidence as you can in terms of showing that it is um, that those signatures were improperly invalidated. So at this point, um, they refused, even in the face of all of that. And so it's up for the Ohio Supreme Court to decide. And um, the case, all the briefs have been filed, so it's up to the justices now. We are talking with Attorney Josh Brown, who is representing Marie J. Noth, a uh, concerned citizen of Medina City. And it's uh, Verse Keith Durham, Director of Finance, City of Medina, which is actually the, the issue is really not with Mr. Durham. Uh, ultimately, but with the Board of Elections, uh, which is not reviewing the petitions, Mr. Durham has said in his response, although his legal uh, defense, which would be the city attorney and then the county, uh, uh, excuse me, the county prosecutor, uh, basically, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, actually it was very audacious of them to say that we are neither, um, uh, you know, that we, they, they neither are not obligated to give us a review, nor are we entitled to one. <laughs> you know, yes. I, I'm sorry for laughing, but I had some attorneys look at that. They said, look at the arrogance of these people. And so, you know, because it's real fundamental here, when you talk to just everyday folks, and folks, if you're following along, you can go to the Ohio Supreme Court, follow the case. It's 2020-0179. Again, this is the voting rights case out of the city of Medina, out of Medina County. The case number, again, is 2020-0179. So, Josh, uh, what they did in their first motions, as you filed the case, got things rolling, then they had uh, so many days to respond, and they were responding through their attorneys, again, through the city attorney. 
and then again through the county prosecutor's office, uh, is the one who was responding. And so they basically asked for a review, basically for the case to be dismissed. And uh, that was basically what they said. We're need, we're, they are neither entitled to nor are we obligated to review these petitions. This is what they said. Well, the court had a different opinion. And back on April the 22nd, an alternative writ was granted, meaning that the case would go forward. That was a victory right there and then. I mean, from the initial filings, the case was not dismissed by the state Supreme Court. They saw the merits of the case. They wanted to, they wanted to hear more. They wanted to hear more on this case. They wanted an alternative writ. So that was the first benchmark that showed that this case indeed had risen to a higher level of concern and interest. Now, folks, as a public policy organization, we don't endorse political parties or candidates in our organization, the Ohio Christian Alliance. We do provide educational resources for people to make up their own minds. We do give candidate forums opportunities for candidates to talk about why they're running for office, what their interest is. And, uh, of course, we also register people to vote and encourage people to be involved in the process. Well, one of the fundamental rights as, as a United States citizen is being able to cast your vote. That's what we say in a free representative republic is register and vote. Let your voice be heard. You know, win, lose, or draw, at least you've been able to go to the polls and you've been able to make your mark and be able to speak your piece. Well, if you're being denied the petition process, your vote is being denied. That's what's happening here in the city of Medina. Then when you throw into the mix the possibility of conflict of interest with people serving on the Board of Elections who have a uh, direct interest in the ordinance and what you were trying to overturn, and they're the ones reviewing your petition with no other audit or review going on. That's why we also first made an appeal to the Secretary of State, Frank LaRose's office. They did somewhat of an inquiry, but quite honestly, not deep enough. They could have gone further, and they said that it's always the right of the group or citizens to bring the matter to court. That's what they ultimately were left with no recourse. When the, after several attempts to get appeals and hearings before the local board of elections, then there was no recourse but to go to court. And the state Supreme Court was the venue which this should be heard. Now, if you are circulating a referendum petition or initiative petition, uh, this is important to you. So pay close attention to this case. This case actually has huge ramifications, folks. If we can't have the referendum process, when you, you play by all the rules, you check all the boxes, you do it, you jump through all the hoops, and still they don't grant you the ballot, we've got a real problem in this state. Josh, your thought? Yeah, the Board of Elections is a, um, the institution that has the main oversight when it comes to counting signatures. So we've made two arguments. The city needs to resubmit the petitions and the Board of Elections needs to recount in light of the evidence that we gave them. And at first, they were pointing at each other. The Board of Elections was pointing at the city, saying, well, we got to wait for them to resubmit. And then the city is pointing at the Board of Elections, saying, well, we can't do it until they ask for it. And it just got to be this back-and-forth thing. The Board of Elections is appointed by Secretary of State, and they have to be members of a political party. Most people that work there are political operatives or people that work in politics in some way. So people should know, I mean, you can have 
I think that there's plenty of room for confidence in the Board of Elections generally because there's a lot of checks and balances there. But in this particular case, <clears throat> we have brought it to the court's attention that there are many reasons to believe that a Board of Elections um, cannot just be simply trusted to make this kind of decision without any opportunity for the people whose rights they may deprive of them having an opportunity to uh, hold their feet to the fire, to question what they're doing, and do it in a civil process through the hearing process. If there's someone at the Board of Elections who decided they wanted to um, do something malicious, or maybe they're just incompetent, maybe they just make a mistake, uh, under the theory of the Board of Elections and the city of Medina, there's nothing anyone can do about it. So that's just simply not acceptable. And I think that that is our the gist of our case with the Supreme Court. We're talking with Josh Brown. He is the representing attorney uh, for Marie J. North, who is a representative of the Concerned Citizens of Medina City. And this is the uh, law case uh, that's before the state Supreme Court, a voting rights case on a referendum issue that has ramifications for every referendum or initiative petition process around the state of Ohio. Forty-seven affidavits were acquired from local residents who signed the petition, who had their signatures wrongfully invalidated for what the board termed non-matching signature. Basically, that's a judgment call. That says, oh, well, this signature doesn't match what we have on record. Well, we said, well, here's affidavit. Here's evidence that it was this person. Let's have a public hearing. Let's, uh, let's let them come forward. The board would not allow for a hearing. Who was the representing attorney telling them to not even pay any attention to the citizens? That would be Forrest Thompson. He's the county prosecutor out in Medina County. He is the representing attorney uh, for the uh, Board of Elections. We appealed to his office directly as well, and they basically said they're not entitled to a hearing. Well, folks, I don't know about you, but that made a lot of folks in the city of Medina very upset, and they are very thankful that this lawsuit is going forward. Now, I want you to go again to the uh, state uh, Supreme Court's website, and you can look up this docket. It's public record, and there you can find it's 2020, the case number 2020-0179, and you can read all the filings. If you click on the left, the PDF copy will open up. So all parties have now responded in a back and forth motion. Chris, what you'll want to um, direct people towards is at the bottom of the docket, you'll see um, what's called a merit brief, M-E-R-I-T, merit brief. That's where the the main filings are. There'll be one for the city, one for the board, and one for us. So you'll see concerned citizens merit brief. That's our main document. Very good. And then also you can look at uh, what's called docket items, the parties involved, and the decisions. So uh, the decisions, of course, one was that the court wanted further um, review of this case. So they did not dismiss it. They wanted to hear the case, and it's before the state Supreme Court right now. We would ask you to pray, but also to monitor this, because all of this does have political ramifications. and fundamental rights ramifications. When we talk about what we see happening in America right now, 
where people's rights are being denied, when we're seeing anarchy in the streets, when people that peaceably assemble, people that peacefully uh, appeal and process, as the folks in Medina did, uh, basically they went through all the processes that government allows, and yet they were denied by government officials in the county of Medina and the city of Medina. Hopefully things will prevail at the state Supreme Court on this voting rights case. And so, again, I ask you to go and to review the dockets and the argument that Josh Brown has made. And actually, I think, and so do others, that he has made a very strong case here and has done great research on this. Josh, uh, just some thoughts here as we are now, uh, it's June, June 10th was the last filing. When might we hear from the court? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. So um, we may have to do another filing to get an expedited decision because we're hoping to uh, be able to act on this before the election. So um answer on that is I'm not sure. Well, that's what we'll need to do because uh, this needs to be cleared before the ballot of 2020, as the ordinance says, on a represent- as a, a referendum petition. It is on the next general election, and since the officials themselves held us over 10 days, pushing us to the ballot of 2020. So, folks, stay tuned. If mandamus action is granted for the concerned citizens of Medina City, this referendum will be on the ballot in 2020 in the city of Medina. Now, I've talked to a lot of folks in the county who've been watching this and said, hey, we want to vote on this, too. Well, it was just the liberal uh, city council members who passed this, of course, the the county's not that liberal in the county council for sure, and people would be up in arms and are up in arms about this. Well, what is it? It's a special SOGI right uh, legislation, and the public accommodation portion is what's causing great concern. And let's just touch on that, Josh. The court, state, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court did grant Title VII um, non-discrimination in hiring of LG- LGBTQ people, but they did not decide on public accommodation. Even the radical homosexual group that pushed this ordinance conceded that. So that issue has not been decided. So this case is very relevant indeed. Your thoughts? Well, I would um, agree with the dissent in that case. Um, You know, they use the word sex to describe who that was directed towards. And nobody at the time or since uh, has ever thought that the word sex and gender identity were the same thing. And so um, uh, the court made a decision to go that direction. And I think the dissents were absolutely correct. It's part of a larger pattern of the federal courts uh, engaging in in legislative behavior which is not a power that's granted them by the Constitution. Um, I've been very critical of that, and many commentators have been highly critical. I'm running for judge myself, and I have promised people that I will not do that kind of thing, and I hope that more federal judges will um, see the problem with not respecting the... the, uh, Uh, the balance of powers between the different branches of government. We're talking with Josh Brown. He is actually running for Common Pleas of Franklin County as judge, and you can find him on his website at VoteForBrownForJudge.com. VoteBrownForJudge.com. Josh, thanks for being my guest today. Thank you, Chris. God bless you. 
Well, hang with us. We'll be talking with Melanie Miller, and we'll be talking about Ashland Pregnancy Services. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue That was sounds from the Freedom Banquet last Thursday night at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton as the Ohio Christian Alliance celebrated its annual Freedom Banquet. And we had a good crowd that came out that night and a good uh, group from Ashland, Ohio, actually. And uh, the mayor of Ashland, Ohio, Matt Miller, was our MC for the evening. And his lovely wife, Melanie Miller, was with us, and she was the one that was leading in song there. But we're going to talk with Melanie about the work that she does in crisis pregnancy there in Ashland County. And Ashland Pregnancy Care Center is a wonderful frontline organization on the pro-life movement that is actually helping women in a very practical way on a daily basis. Uh, 365 days a year, they're at it, helping young mothers to make that choice to keep their baby and to raise a family. And actually, they have some great programs uh, for young couples to help them as well, uh, who find themselves with an unexpected pregnancy but realize that God has something good in store for them. Please welcome with me to the program, Melanie Miller. Hi, Melanie. Hello, Chris. <laughs> it's good to have you with us today, and I've been anticipating this and looking forward to it. And uh, how's everything going? 
Oh, we are doing well. I want to thank you again for having me as a guest on your program and and for what you do, what Ohio Christian Alliance does, and supporting um, supporting life, the sanctity of human life, and allowing us to share a little bit about our mission and how we're having an impact um, in God's kingdom here locally. Well, I was blessed to be at your banquet last year. I was the guest of a local pastor and sat at the uh, table there. Uh, at the Convocation Center at National University. What a packed room you had, and a wonderful program, I might say. Uh, the video presentation that talks about the ministry of Ashland Pregnancy Care Center, of uh, what you folks do on a day-in day and day-out basis, was so moving, and, and quite honestly, I think is the most effective way in the pro-life movement that we can actually make an impact in people's lives that is lasting. And, of course, we appreciate all the pro-life work that goes on. I have folks who go to the clinics and actually pray and try to talk to the women uh, at the clinics. And, of course, that's always so difficult when they go to Planned Parenthood. They're, they're faced at times with abuse of just trying to lovingly uh, urge women to, at that last moment before they go into the abortuary to stop them from aborting their baby. Uh, but um, all of that is needed, but what crisis pregnancy centers are doing, or now as you're called, Ashland Pregnancy Care Center, which I think is a great name, um, is a, such an, a vital work. And let's talk about that for a minute, and then we want to talk about your annual, uh, 14th annual fundraising banquet that's going to be viral this year. It's going to be all online next week, and we're going to talk about that. And you have a great speaker. You have Abby Johnson. Wow, is she, she's, just, she's just great. And her, her testimony is riveting. And then, of course, how God turned her life around. She used to work at Planned Parenthood, but then is uh, out on the front line saving babies, her and her husband, and they've adopted several. So, Melanie, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing this year during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, when I, I was going to say shutdown, but yours group never did shut down. You just kept working. Tell us about that. That's right. Well, Chris, I will tell you, the the work of pregnancy care centers or pregnancy resource centers across the globe is really vital. And we never shut down during this whole COVID pandemic. You know, I, I think about... Um, I know a lot of people call it a crisis pregnancy, but you know, when a pregnancy is unexpected, it can create a crisis in somebody's life. And then if you add a pandemic on top of that with job loss and economic insecurity and all kinds of other things that come with a pandemic, it certainly makes abortion more thinkable in the minds of somebody who's now also facing an unexpected pregnancy. And so the work of pregnancy resource centers like ours um, is vital. And so we we continue to remain open. We were we are and are and were an essential service during the pandemic and continue to be. And um, what we do across in many centers like ours, we all of our services are free. They're free and confidential and professional. We are funded by the local community. None of our centers receive government funding, so we're truly funded by individuals, the local church especially. We're a parachurch ministry first and foremost, local businesses, and a lot of different community grants to help support programs. Um, our ministry in particular, we started in 1981, if you can believe that, right? <laughs> Actually, right when pregnancy centers became 
became a thing after the Roe v. Wade decision. Um, we started in 1981, so we've been serving for more than 39 years. Next year, we'll be celebrating 40 years of ministry. And that really says something, because the reason we've been able to continue strong for so many years is because our community values life. They realize what we do is important, um, and they continue to support us. And I will have to tell you, during COVID, um, there have been many ways. Uh, I love to just share. (laughs) It gives me chills when I think about it, Chris, but God continued to lavish His love on our staff and volunteers and on our clients during this time. And he used people like who are listening today, that God continued to put an urgency on the hearts of people of faith to say, what can we do to serve these moms? What can we do to encourage your staff in this time? And I love it because even as soon as we would pray for a need that we had, and we found out a mom needed a specific type of formula or a specific type of diapers, when we would pray, I'm not... I'm not kidding, but God would show up using people to come and bring exactly the specific the specific kind of diaper or wipe or formula that we needed for our moms. And he continues to do that. And, and it's such an encouragement to us. We have also, during COVID, we have seen more women um, who were considering abortion during this time. And so I'm very grateful that the women that we have uh, ministered to that were planning on that option have chosen life through being able to see their baby um, on a free ultrasound. They were able to um, see the baby's heartbeat and we could do the measurements and, and be able to bond with their baby. And that's also what's so powerful about the work that we do is we're able to Um, help women and men. I want to tell you this really powerful statistic, Chris, but women and men who see their baby on an ultrasound, more than 90% of them will choose life if they see that baby on an ultrasound. So the work that we're doing on the front lines is so vital to protecting life. But I will tell you this, this is the one thing about our work. Not only are we about saving the baby, but we are also about empowering families to live life according to God's plan. Our ministry, yes, we're about the babies, but more importantly, we have to love that mom. And if we can love mom and care for her and help her to see that she is worthy, that she's made in God's image, and that people love her and she's not alone in this situation, if we can save her, we can also save her baby. But we also have to remember there's a father in the picture as well. And we can't forget about him because the father is the number one influencer on a pregnancy decision. If he is not in support of this pregnancy, a lot of times he's the one that will influence her to have an abortion. So we have to look at the whole family unit and restore God's design for marriage and family. And that's the work of pregnancy resource centers like Ashland Pregnancy Care Center and others across the globe that we're trying to do um, to to restore. Because you think about it, it's we're all made in God's image and we all have difficulties in our life, but Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with each and every one of them. Mm. And we, we have the good news and, and we can do that through practical support, holistic support that we have. Not only do we provide free medical services, free pregnancy testing and ultrasound, but we help equip families for parenthood through free um, parenting classes and mentorships. We have mom and dad 
dads that come alongside our clients to be mom mentors and dad mentors to help them be who God created them to be. Um, we also then have... Well, I want to talk about that for a minute. Uh, we're talking with Melanie Miller. She is the executive director of Ashland Pregnancy Care Center in Ashland, Ohio. And you know, Melanie, when I went to the banquet last year and I saw the video of just what you're talking about with a young man sitting with uh, his his wife uh, and their baby, and of course they were just boyfriend-girlfriend before, uh, but they uh, decided to keep the baby. And then this young man was getting some mentorship by uh, older men and uh, by older couples who were encouraging them in their newfound uh, relationship and their commitment as a young family. And I thought that was just what you're talking about was so impactful uh, that you're just not the decision, yes, to keep the baby, save the baby, and then let's let's work with this mother and let's find out who the the father is. There, there's a dad in here, and let's bring the, let's bring him in. And you know, I thought that that was so outstanding. What I saw the work that you do. So when you talk about Ashland Pregnancy Care Center, and you're caring for the whole family and ministering to them and giving them a hope for the future as they're starting to together. And when I saw those testimonials, it's extremely moving. Folks, I want you to go to the website right now. It's ashlandcarecenter.org. This is the Ashland uh, Pregnancy Care Center website. Now, they're coming up with their annual 14th annual fundraising banquet. Now, this is a great event annually, normally in April, but due to COVID-19, they weren't able to use the facilities. They had to postpone it. They're having a virtual online banquet. We're going to get to that in just a minute on August the 14th. Uh, no, excuse me. That's uh, August the 6th, Thursday, August 6th. And But right now, what as God is moving some of you, you need to make a contribution. Here's what you do. You go to the website and the far right tab, partner with us. You click on that and go all the way down. It says give online. Make a contribution right now to this wonderful work. These folks are working 365 days a year. They're ministering to the entire county. They're ministering to women who are who make the decision for life, and then uh, they're helping women with diapers, with all kinds of things. And you know, Melanie, I want to talk about baby wipes here in a minute because we you know a few things. You know, we talk about COVID nineteen in the middle of this pandemic. You know, to- there was a run on toilet paper and all kinds of paper products early on. And I can't imagine what that was like for you folks as you guys were doing uh, diapers, and then all of a sudden. All these things were gone off the shelves. Tell us what happened with that. Absolutely. You're exactly right, Chris. We, as soon as COVID hit the floor and things started shutting down and there was a, a, a lack of toilet paper in the stores, people then started, started uh, buying up all the baby wipes and even formula and some other baby essentials. And so we had a lot of moms coming to us with great panic and um, just absolutely completely afraid of how am I going to provide for my baby if I don't have these needs. And I will tell you, one of the things God really spoke to our hearts as a staff, because we really felt with all the negativity, with all of the just, gosh, you can just get so wrapped up and caught up in the fear of COVID and and just the unknown and the unexpected. God put on our hearts to bless moms with babies in our community. And Right before Mother's Day weekend, God spoke to us about doing a blessing bag outreach. And what we ended up doing was we filled bags with diapers, wipes, 
We had free formula and baby food. We had a prayer blanket, some hospitality items, personal hygiene items that we, we received that were donated, some gospel tracts. And then we partnered with the Gideons International and provided a prayer time for each person that came through, that they were prayed over with the gospel and with a blessing. And I will tell you, Chris, it was amazing how many people came. We served um, over almost 90 families in Ashland County came to receive these free blessing bags. And what was amazing, Chris, is we had moms that came. I'll never forget, it was the third car that came through this drive-through of our blessing bag event. And a mom was very emotional when she pulled in. And she said, I came for the blessing bag, but more importantly, I came for someone to pray with me because I just found out that my one-year-old daughter in the back seat was just diagnosed with cancer, and I don't know what to do. I'm completely overwhelmed. And um, it brings me to tears because God just kept bringing women like that that were just felt so hopeless. Amen. And we were able to surround her car and to pray for her and to lift her up. And by the time she left, she was feeling hopeful again and knowing that. So we were able to, we've been able to do things like that during COVID to just restore hope in the hearts of people um, and to provide just some good news to people in this time and doing it. And truly, we just really felt like we needed to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this time to just provide just something positive to these families um, that have are really struggling um, in this time. And so we've been able to do things like that, and, and I truly believe the impact is far more than what we could ever think or, or imagine at this time. Wow. That is so powerful, and that's the kind of work that Ashland Pregnancy Care Center is doing every day. And there was no COVID shutdown for them. They, they kept at it, as you just heard in testimony. And when women really needed materials and did not know where to go, when they went to the stores and there was all the baby wipes were gone, all the diapers were gone. Remember that? All the paper products, as there was a run on them and people panicked bought. And so these young women didn't know where to go. Well, they turned to Ashland Pregnancy Care Center that's there 365 days a year for these women in Ashland County. Well, they're having their annual uh, fundraising banquet, and it was postponed. It was going to be in April, and due to COVID, they had to postpone it. It's going to be online and virtual, and you don't want to miss their speaker, Abby Johnson. Let's talk a little bit about your keynote speaker, Abby Johnson. She is really a whirlwind. She's tremendous. Tell us a little bit about her, Melanie. Yeah, we are so excited to have Abby, and I'm sure many people remember last year there was a film that was released called Unplanned, and that really, if if people have not seen that, I want to encourage you to see that. I think that's currently right now on Netflix and even on Amazon Prime, but it's a powerful um, testimony of basically Abby Johnson's life. Um, Abby was a former Planned Parenthood director, um, and she had a transformation one day when she was required to assist the new abortion doctor um, in the in the room um, doing an abortion um, assisted through ultrasound. And it was the first time that she actually saw a child, saw the baby, 
um, she realized that she watched that child get away from that abortion instrument, and she realized at that moment that this what that, what that she had been lying to women all along about this was a a blob of tissue. There, you know, the baby wouldn't feel anything, and she saw this child try to get away from that abortion instrument until it lost its struggle. And and in that day, she she left. And it's amazing what God has done in her life. Um, she's obviously has given her life to the Lord. And um, through you mentioned earlier, Chris, you know a lot of people who maybe are sidewalk advocates that are praying uh, out on the sidewalks um, at abortion clinics to just remind women that there is another option um, other than abortion. Um, there were people like that that prayed for Abby outside of her Planned Parenthood clinic. And those were the people she ran to when she didn't know where else to go when she left. And since then, she has started a, uh, founded a ministry called And Then There Are None. So she has used her testimony to help rescue and help other abortion workers exit from the abortion industry, to help them find employment, to help them deal with the trauma that they have experienced, um, and to just bring truth to this issue. And she's really, um, I, I admire Abby, how strong she is. I, she's been attacked many times um, by Planned Parenthood and, uh, and many others, but she has a very strong backbone, and she's tough, and, and I'm thankful for the voice that she is providing across the nation about the truth about Planned Parenthood and abortion, um, and also she is helping pregnancy centers like ours to help connect women um, to our centers uh, to get the help uh, that they need and the resources that they need um, so that they can choose life for their children. Wonderful. So very excited to have Abby. So excited to have her. Well, and we're going to let you know how to register for this event. It's a free online event. It's going to be taking place uh, Thursday, August 6th, and it starts at 7 p.m. You can watch online, and you won't want to miss Abby Johnson and the presentation of the Ashland Pregnancy Care annual uh, banquet. We're going to talk about that, how you can uh, register. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. And we're back with Melanie Miller. She's the executive director of the Ashland Pregnancy Care Center and that's in Ashland, Ohio, and they're having their annual banquet that's coming up on Thursday, August 6th at 7 p.m. It's a virtual event. You can watch online, and they're going to have their keynote speaker as Abby Johnson, and you don't want to miss her. She used to work at a Planned Parenthood abortion clinic, but has a much different story to tell now. Melanie, let's tell folks how they can register for the uh, online virtual banquet. Wonderful. I'd love to, Chris. It's uh, If people go to Ashland, carecenter.org 
forward slash banquet. That's our, our registration page. You'll see a ginormous teal button that you'll want to click on, and you can follow the prompts there and fill out the form so that you can reserve your spot to watch the live stream event on Thursday, August 6th. You have a, such a great group that comes every year. I mean, that uh, convocation center at Ashland University is just packed out. Uh, I've been to a couple events there over the years, and I was just glad to see all the folks from the community that come and support this organization because they believe in it and they know what impact it's having in saving lives. It's saving babies. And folks, if you want to get behind something that's on the front line of the life movement, there in Ashland, Ohio is the Ashland Pregnancy Care Center. Visit their website. Uh, Again, go to the far right tab where it says uh, partner with us and then scroll down to Give Online, make a contribution today. Don't wait. Go ahead and make a contribution. But also sign up for the online uh, virtual uh, banquet that's going to be August 6th, and you can sign up today, and then you can actually share that on social media. So while we were talking, Melanie, I was able to do that and share it on the OCA Facebook page uh, for folks to see, and so they can sign up as well. Well, this is exciting, and of course, they are in need of your funding, as many organizations are behind on their annual budgets due to COVID-19, and we want to be able to bless this organization to keep them going. And so I ask you to give your uh, best gift and support this organization, and it's led by some very fine people, and I want to attest to that. And so, really, uh, as we see the pro-life movement really advance in these ways, in building Saving babies, helping mothers, building families. Let's talk about that a little bit more because normally we think about the crisis pregnancy care centers uh, or the the pregnancy care centers, Melanie. We think of women on women, of course. But you've got some guys involved helping guys. Talk about that for a minute. Absolutely. Well, we know I think about what's so important, Chris, when we think about God's design, everything is orderly, how God even made made the earth. And men or fathers are supposed to be the head of the household. And, you know, I feel like we are, we're losing that in our generation. There are so many fatherless moms, women, and men that come through our doors, and really that's the generation. And so you see with women who have not had, had an absent father in their life, a lot of times they are finding men um, with all the wrong reasons, if you will, or or giving themselves over because of love, because maybe they're trying to fill a void. And same thing with men when you see when you see men even that have have been fatherless, if you will, uh, it it also, if you will, it, it grows in a different way with them as well. So it is so important for uh, us to be able to mentor our fathers so that they understand um, God's role for them as a, as a man, who they are, um, to be a father as the head of their home, how to, how to raise his children. What I think is so interesting, Chris, we have so many dads that we work with that say, I want to change the way I was raised. I want to be a better dad than what I had, or maybe I didn't have a dad and I want to be present. I want to change the, 
you know, I want, I want to just change the culture of, of what the way my life was. And so we do have men, um, grown men, Christian men that come alongside our dads to mentor these guys through Bible studies, through a variety of different things, through life skills. We use a lot of different curriculums, a lot of one-on-one teaching, different parenting classes. And so I really believe if we can, um, we can train our men to, to be present, um, I think we're going to see a huge impact and a, a shift in our culture and the way families are in our, in our generation. So Amen. men are we'll, so very, very important. Absolutely, and we'll turn it around. Well, it's been my uh, pleasure to have Melanie on the program with me. Again, Melanie Miller, Executive Director of the Ashland Pregnancy Care Center. August 6th is the virtual online annual banquet, and so you can register again online. Just go to ashlandcarecenter.org. Thank you, Melanie. God bless you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. And if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.